In this edition of the Cougar Insiders podcast, we'll be breaking down one of the biggest games in BYU history, an upset of number two Gonzaga last Saturday night. We'll also give you the metrics heading into the week where they prepare for Pepperdine, and then we'll talk about some, a little bit about football, spring football coming up around the corner. This and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insiders podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon along with Brandon Gurney and Jay Drew. We're going to be breaking down maybe one of the biggest games in BYU history, at least uh, one of the top three, I think. A game uh, against number two Gonzaga, BYU comes out. T.J. Hawes takes control of the game, throws the first punches right off the bat, uh, makes a couple of baskets, uh, get a couple of offensive uh charges on him. He set the tone for this game, but I'm going to ask you guys, and I'll start with you, Jay. What was your first, what were some of your best takeaways from that game? Looking back, it had to been the, just the celebration afterwards, but if you go to the, the actual competition, I think it was just like you just said, right from the get-go, T.J. Haas drawing those two offensive fouls. He uh, he made his patented uh, jumper, like 12-footer or whatever, you pull-up jumper. And then just the overall toughness that BYU showed, just they just stared, you know, stared, went toe-to-toe, stared down Gonzaga and, and didn't blink. And uh, I kept thinking any any minute now Gonzaga is just going to put on a spurt and put on a run and just and just bury them and—, and Credit this BYU team for just answering every every shot with one of its own and basically willing itself to the victory. That that's what'll stand out. Brandon, we kind of saw the uh, the real big characteristic of this team when it, when it got down to about two points, about eight minutes to go in the game. You kind of felt like the Zags were going to maybe make a charge. Oh yeah. But this team has done something which they've done all season long in double digit three point shooting. They hit a couple of bombs. And all of a sudden, bang, the, the Zags are on their heels, and they're going, oh, no. And they didn't have the energy to come back. But what's your biggest takeaway from that game? Uh, other people contributing. I thought Zach Selyus was amazing in that game. I, th- I thought he really battled and gave that push they needed off the bench. And you saw Alex Barcelo, who hadn't really taken a shot, hit a really big three-pointer late in that game. But to me, the guy that stood out above it, anyone is, I don't think there's any doubt, Yoli Childs was the best player on that court. He, he was a guy that was able to just handle whatever. Gonzaga threw at him inside and just dominate. He had his best game. At, all things considered, I, I believe that's Yoli Child's best game at BYU, considering who he was going against, what he was able to do, 28 points, 10 rebounds. Wow. What a game for In Yoli. about 28 minutes. Yes. Yeah. In about 20, and when he threw down, Connor Harding found him underneath for a breakaway dunk. Did you see the look on his face when he came back down the court? It was like he was uh, like he was a superhero. He was he was dialed in. He was mad. He was uh, intense. He was. Uh, this is probably about as intense as a BYU game that I've seen, where the athletes really, really fought hard. They did not back down not one time in that game. And Jane is, is proven out. Uh, and I think you got to give Mark Pope a lot of credit. He designed this team. You look back in um, last spring. There's no. There's no Yoli Childs. Uh, you've got uh, Zach Zellius and you've got T.J. Haas coming back, and that's just about the nucleus of your team. You don't have Toulson. You don't have Barcelo. You don't know what you got in Lee. Well, you kind of do, but you, you, don't, you don't have any vision of what this team could be. And Mark Pope has created a number 17th-ranked basketball team that people are considering could make a deep run in the tournament. This is this is the stuff of uh, legends. Yeah, absolutely. I think you got to tip your hat to Dave Rose. He recruited some of these guys, and Tim Lacombe got Yoli Childs here. But there's a, definitely a new energy. I mean, I just flash back to that game against San Diego in the WCC tournament. 
them walking off the court. They had been beaten by, you know, 20, 25 points and were never really in the game. And, and in the post game, you could kind of see Dave Rose was almost resigned to, uh, you could almost see there looking back that, that he knew he had kind of, kind of lost his zeal for coaching this team. And Mark Pope comes in. And it, uh, one thing I, I, kind of flash back to his Dalton Nixon last year at the end of the year was hardly used very got very little playing time and I think one of the geniuses of Mark Pope is to basically bring Dalton Nixon back almost reinvigorated him uh, and then he's been a key cog this year you know and so yeah exactly I, I think you got to hand it to Mark Pope who's just done a masterful job not just this with this team but building this team which has been huge I ask you Brandon um you had Yoli Childs set out for nine games, and that opened the door for Zach Zellius and for Dalton Nixon to come in and get quality minutes, really leaned upon by Mark Pope to step up and play and be big contributors. How, how much do you think that enabled this team to develop the confidence it needed right here in late February? Another guy would be Colby Lee. Colby Lee's impact. He had a great game. I was really glad that Pope brought up Colby Lee because I thought I thought his contribution was enormous in that game. And, and you think about that, and, and, and I'm thinking back to the beginning of this year. It was all about, are they going to get in the NCAA tournament? And you think that Yoli Childs, not having him is going to really wreck a lot of those chances. I mean, maybe they'll have a chance and all that. But now you look at this team having gone through, not having Yoli, they're a lot for the tournament. They're going to the tournament. Now it's how far are they going to go and because they had other guys had to step up it's really come together really nice I, I mean absent of Dalton's injury we don't know his status hopefully they get him back but it's all worked out I, I, I don't and teams can either crumble or they can just thrive with this adversity. And with the senior-laden team that, that BYU has, they've really galvanized and used this whatever adversity. And there's been a lot of it to come together. And I think they're stronger because of that adversity than otherwise. Let's talk a little bit of the metrics of what's happened uh, in the past 48 hours, Jay. Ken Palm has BYU ranked 16th. Uh, the NCAA's net is uh, there at 15. The AP... Uh, Poll came out. They're number 17 uh, from 2023 uh, last week. Uh, the NCA Power Index of 36. They're number 15 from 19. They're in a position where a lot of bracketologists are looking at them at about a number six seed. That could be bumped down when BYU's moved away from uh, Sunday play. That usually happens to them. They get they get kind of screwed in a way because they may be bumped to a seven or an eight. But they right now solidly a six by a lot of people. What does this mean in terms of? what they can do and where they can be setting in a tournament setting. Yeah, it's big. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be a five, at least if you believe in the tournament lore that uh, the five is always upset by the 12. So six is a really good place uh, to be. You win that game, you probably play a three seed, which is another winnable game. It's uh, it's all laid out for them right there. Uh, they get Dalton Nixon back, and I think that'll give them another little burst of energy. So they're in a, a great spot. Let's not forget they got to you know they got to go on the road and play Saturday at Pepperdine, which is a much improved team, has a really good coach in Lorenzo Romar. So that's certainly certainly not a given, not a gimme win. And they have struggled at Pepperdine, but uh, you gotta you gotta like uh, where they are right now. It's uh, it's very optimal. Brandon, it may not show up in the uh, WCC tournament in Las Vegas uh, because these teams are all familiar with themselves. But the first round of the NCAA tournament, uh, BYU, most experts say, are in. That first game will be a well scouted game. Uh, the teams that play each other will know each other pretty well and have game plans situated. But people say BYU is a dangerous team in a tournament like the 
NCAA tournament because of that second game if they win. Short turnaround, you have to prepare. And any team that can hit double-digit threes is going to be in most games. If they do that, very dangerous for that second team that plays BYU. Absolutely, and I think a lot of it has to do with T.J. Haas. Um, tournament plays about guard play, by and large, and if you can have a guy run the point and manage the game from the perimeter like T.J. Haas has shown to be able to do it, uh, about as well as most players in the country, I dare say. Uh, I, I think he's had a phenomenal year. He's largely become what I thought he would out of high school. I, it's kind of taken some, some peaks and valleys and all that, but uh, he's... <laughs> He's a fantastic player. We saw it with Gonzaga. And I think with him, and it's not just him, you have Jake Toulson. I think Barcelo continues to just be a really big, unheralded guy on this team. Yeah, I think I think BYU's poised to, to do some big things in this tournament. Fellas, you want to avoid that eight or nine seed. I think that's yeah. the pitfall. Well, fellas, we, we, before we get away from that game, we I, I got to mention that the crowd setting, uh, the student section that uh, had, what, seven or 8,000 students there, it was a sellout. Uh, I think the production, uh, the promotions, uh, the music, uh, the atmosphere was probably about as good as you can see. There were some recruits there, you know, making visits, uh, at least being invited there. Uh, Caleb Lohner that is signed with Utah, he found his way there with Richie Sanders, a, f- a teammate at Wasatch. Academy. What is this setting of that win and the experience of what BYU is doing now as a 17th ranked team do for recruiting in the next two months? Because there is an April early signing date coming up. And what do we know about what people they have in their periscope? And, and what do you think the impact of that game was? Let's start with you, Brandon. Big. How could you be a recruit and see that game and not have BYU go up your list? It'd be impossible. The atmosphere. Who wouldn't want to play in that environment against the top team in the country, arguably? A, a team that, that, I mean, Gonzaga is a brand name now. It's not just like, oh, watch out for those Zags. That's just, no, they're there. They're, they have the national perspective on them. So, yeah, it's a it's an enormous thing for recruits. I'd say, I dare say football recruits as well, anyone. Seeing that fan base come together, and, and BYU has fantastic fans. They always do. Um, when BYU is on it, I, I don't know if there's many fan bases that rally around their teams like like the BYU fans can. Jay, I, I think if you look at BYU athletics, uh, aside from some of the Olympic sports, been kind of suffering in football, been kind of suffering in basketball, the way it ended last year. This this has become kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say it's a turning point, but it's something that fans can latch on to and all of a sudden uh, regale in their fanhood. And uh, that has to be impressive to, I think, both the recruits and people that are looking at BYU right now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Uh, just as a side note, uh, Gideon George, a uh, junior college player out of New Mexico, junior college was also there, big time player. If you want to go watch his YouTube video, and uh, obviously he was there watching as well. It can, this can only help him. Um, I've been saying, as you guys know, in football, that BYU needs a special football season to kind of get him going again, to re-energize the fan base and to do all that. And that's exactly what's happening with the basketball team. And uh, if Kalani Satake can somehow figure out how to, to mimic what uh, Mark Pope has done this year, I think you'll see the the football program uh, jump back again into the national picture if they can just put together that one special season. So uh, kudos to Pope and for, and like you said, Dick, the marketing of the game, the uh, promotions, whoever BYU has that is doing that, and I think it's a team of people, is really top shelf. I mean, I happened to watch the University of Utah basketball game last yesterday uh, they played USC, a, a brand name program there at the Huntsman Center. That place was dead. There was no vibe whatsoever. Utah wins the game, and it's just, it, I was just 
to compare that to what went on down in Provo Saturday night was just totally different. And so you got to give your hats off to everybody in the BYU uh, staff, basketball support staff, for putting on quite a show. You know, before we leave that, I've also got to, to say, I, I really think that Mark Pope has done a marvelous job in connecting with fans and with the community. He did it at Utah Valley where he reached out to the alumni there, guys like Travis Hansen, who is a BYU uh, player, but also a Utah Valley player, and he, he got him to donate the money for their uh, their workout facility. But Mark is doing that now at BYU where he's reaching out. I, I saw Danny Ainge. He came up and talked to me before the game. Doug Richards from back in the Coast Day Guard talked to him a little bit, but he's reached reached out to a lot of different aspects of the BYU fan base, alumni, former players. Um, he's got them involved. He's got the students involved uh, in a way that uh, is really engaging, and I think they've latched on to him. It's going to pay off big dividends, and, and I think you got to credit Mark Pope for that. The only thing that could have made that better is if they had Jimmer at that game. Could you imagine <laughs> if they had Jimmer? <laughs> if they showed Jimmer on the screen just pumping up, oh, that would have been fan- well, I, you fantastic. Know, I, but back, they had Fred Warner, Dan Sorensen, yeah. Danny Ainge. I'm, I'm Taysom pro- Hill. Yeah. yeah. But back in 2011 when BYU beat San Diego State, and they were both ranked in the top of five or six, that was a big-time atmosphere. And I didn't know, I didn't believe that you could probably see that reincarnated again at BYU, but it was Saturday night. It really was. It was all there. The women's basketball team, uh, Jeff Judkins, uh, they lost a heartbreaker the other day, and uh, but they're playing well, and they should have a good tournament. They are. They've come together. They were dealt a huge blow. I mention it every time I talk to them. Shaylee Gonzalez is one of the best freshman basketball players you'll see. But they've really come around. But this year, they'll finish out strong. I'm telling you, next year, BYU women's basketball is going to be a thing. That's going to be a thing to, to rally around. That's a team that can make some noise. They're going to, they have most of their team back, Shaylee Gonzalez, and they're going to add Porter Gustin's sister, Lauren Gustin, who is really good. I, I, I know fans is, oh, women, don't talk to me about women's basketball, Gertie. I don't care about that. Care about this. This team, Juddy is a really, really great coach to, to work with. Just an outstanding guy. Team deserves your support. Support him this year, but next year, seriously, th- this team's going to be fun. They're going to be a, a lot of fun. In men's golf, they went over to Hawaii. They uh, they had the lead. Peter uh, Guest uh, was the leader in the tournament or part of that. I think he had a top three finished. BYU finished, I think, third in that tournament, the uh, Burns Invitational. And uh, men's volleyball still on a roll. Oh, yeah. Still haven't lost. We'll find out just what this team's made of in two weeks when they take on Hawaii. I'm really excited to, to see how they how they, how they fare. Uh, to kind of gauge whether they can really win a national championship or not. But, man, they are so talented. They are so talented on the outside. They have the best serving player I think I've ever seen in Gabby Garcia Fernandez, and, and they're going to be there. They're going to be in that final four, and they're going to compete for a national championship. Very comfortable state. I mean, they're 15-0, for heaven's sake, and they played some decent teams, but it, it looks to be a two-horse race at this point between them and Hawaii. Uh, Jay Drew, let's talk football for just a second. Uh, not a lot happening, but they did have a coaching change. Harvey Young threw his name in the hat, uh, probably is one of the leading candidates to maybe get a good look to replace A.G. Stewart. But have you heard anything? Uh, what can we guess about? What do we know? Yeah, I haven't heard really anything concrete. I do know that Kalani Satake and, and Harvey Younga sat together at the BYU basketball game Saturday night. So you got to think that's a good sign for Harvey. Uh, there are a few other candidates. There's a uh, Bill, the running, uh, Jimmy Bill, the running backs coach that is real good friends with Gennaro Guilford and has, has been around a while. He's been at Northern Arizona. I think right now he's at uh, Montana State. He's been at South Dakota State. So he would, you know, maybe be a guy to keep. An eye on, but uh, right now, 
you know, they're looking to go into spring practice starts next week, March 2nd. It doesn't look like they'll have a person in place. The wheels move slowly at BYU when they replace coaches, as everybody knows. But those are the two names I think that most people are, are talking about. Quinton Ganther, the running backs coach at uh, Weber State, former Utah standout. His, uh, his name's also been thrown in there. I reached out, tried to talk to him. He didn't uh, return my calls, so I don't know if, what that means, but uh, those are the names I'm hearing. Sometimes when you don't return your calls because they don't want to talk about it, they may have been interviewed and they don't want their name out. Ooh. So there's always that. <laughs> and, Har- and Harvey Unga was sent by Kalani Satake during there you the go. game. Setting by him. You never know. <laughs> Final word, gentlemen. Reading. Final word of this round of this podcast, Jay Drew. Yeah, uh, you guys will probably want to talk about basketball and, and Brandon volleyball. So I'll I'll just say football is uh, is should be interesting. Spring camp opens uh, March second with I think Utah also starts and maybe even Utah State. But uh, you know it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with the quarterback situation. Jaron Hall has uh, been playing with the baseball team, but. They tell me he's going to try to do both during spring camp, uh, and so that'll be interesting to watch. But should be an interesting uh, spring camp football for the Cougars. Brandon Gurney. I am going to talk basketball because I remember four or five, five or six years ago when BYU was getting all those top 100 recruits, DJ Oz, Yoli Child, all these guys, and just the prognostications were through the roof for these guys. And largely the fan base, oh, it's uh, and, and it hasn't worked out anywhere close to what people pictured. But look at what you have now. It's come to together. This is kind of what you envision, taking on Gonzaga, winning out, being in the national discussion. This is everything people anticipate. It hasn't worked out the way uh, people envision, but they're largely there. And that's a big thing. So so when, when people say this group hasn't panned out, it has. Just not in any way people imagine, but it's there. Enjoy it. BYU basketball is back, and there's a lot to be excited about. My final word, my hat's off to Yoli Childs. Here's a guy that uh, probably was not going to be here, uh, was going to be somewhere else in Europe or Japan or China or whatever, but he came back. And when he came back, he was suspended for nine games. He went through that suspension. He had a broken finger, uh, set out a couple of games for that, but comes through and I think has become one of the more iconic players in BYU history for what he's gone through, what he's given the school and for his last night his last game in a BYU uniform in the Marriott Center he delivered everything that he could left it all out there 28 minutes 28 points 10 rebounds and was the best player on the floor uh, against a team number two and with with uh, some of the best recruits on the floor uh, was Gonzaga and he, he held his own uh, in fact he dominated him well that that's it for this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast I'm Dick Harmon along with Brandon Gurney and Jay Drew thanks for joining us see if you can download this or, or find it at Deseret News or wherever you look for podcasts. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.